What up, world? What up, world? What up? What up? What up? Welcome to another session of Untherapy. We got the beautiful Untherapist with us. Lady J, how you feeling? I am good. And we have a special guest today. Oh, oh, oh. Baby J, say hello. Say hello ah. to people. Say hello. Now she want to be shy. She must be waving at this point. She, okay. she, she, must, she must be waving. Okay. Mm-hmm. She, she waved at the Untherapy bays. Y'all better wave right. back. <laughs> I don't see I don't see y'all flapping your hand at the screen. Y'all better wave. Listen, ain't, no, right. ain't nobody worse than somebody who don't talk back to kids, especially. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Deja Deja, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I can't complain. Ready to dig into the topic today. So I'm excited. That's what it is. Jolly Jells, how you feeling? I'm pretty good. I'm ready to talk to y'all and our untherapy day. All right, Chef Shea, what you cooking up? Tonight's turkey wings, but, you know, I don't want to get y'all stomachs growling. So let's just get into the topic. I'm excited. What are we talking about today, Fern? First of all, you don't lead off with turkey wings. In this right. Tonight. I was like, wait, oh, oh, I don't want y'all no trouble. I had to answer your question. You said turkey. Wanna... Once you said you turkey, know. that was trouble. I'm not understanding. <laughs> not the turkey. Yeah, we making some lemon pepper. Turkey wings with some Caribbean rice and some broccoli. So yeah, that's what we'll be having for dinner tonight. Not not shake cooking for the whole family because I know that can't only be for you. I know no no no, no. it's for the fam. They would be upset if I just made me a plate of anything. What's Caribbean rice? <laughs> that's a fight. I'm what's, Cari- what's Caribbean rice? Tell me that. So it got pineapple. It got diced up red pepper, pep um, and green pepper in it. Um, it's just basically yellow rice with that stuff in it. Nah, Shay, that's Hawaiian. No. Nah. Yeah, you always see that pineapple, you threw me off. Right, I right. Know. I was like, Caribbean rice, I automatically thought rice and peas. Like, Jamaican <laughs> rice. No, but you would just say rice and peas. I was like, uh, pineapple. Well, peas and rice, how do you want to say? Polynesian. It's giving me Cambodia. It's giving me Maui. Well, we in any case, we having rice with the slamming turkey wings. The rice is the least of our words. It's the turkey wing that we focused on. Listen, we're going to have to bring King Crooks back to find out if he'll mm-hmm. pay this Caribbean hey, part rice. Two. All right. Hey. Special part two. Look at that. Speaking into the atmosphere. <laughs> uh, listen, ladies, let me ask you. Are y'all up on uh, Married at First Sight this season? It's a lot of um, weird, interesting things going on. Any of y'all been keeping up with it? Oh, I definitely have. I, I, I have a question. You, there's. I, I want to say their name is Stasha and Justin. Is it, I could be wrong. Stasha and Nate, right? Mm-hmm. So the other day, and this is this is a very interesting time. I wanted to talk to y'all about it. Stasha had Nate um, sign a postnup. You don't really hear about that as often as prenup, but Stasha had Nate, um, or she offered or suggested that they sign a postnup because I believe Stasha is probably worth a lot of money to some degree, or a lot in what my eyes would say is a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, Nate makes about, from what he said, about 150K a year. I, I think Stasia or Stasha said she makes like, I think she said like $600,000 a year. Yeah, she said something about 450000 Now I had 450000 to that, and I'm like, now wait, what was, <laughs> I need to see the application she filled out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But she said she made about 600K a year. And they wanted to sign. Um, she owned several homes and all this other stuff. Now, I thought Nate did pretty good for herself. Mm-hmm. But then when they put him next to her, it was like, uh, maybe not so much because of who he was standing next to. But then she had him. Um, she didn't make him sign the post up, but he wanted to prove his loyalty um, or prove that he was in this process for the long haul. 
by um signing the post up. So I have to ask, I guess she wanted to protect that assets um, and the yeah. things that she was trying to build a legacy with and separate what they did together versus what they did separately. So, so tell me, Deja, are you, if someone who you are married to wanted you to sign a post-nup, would you be okay with that? Yeah, I would be okay with that. I feel like you should definitely make these types of decisions while you like one another, because it's so much harder when let's say divorce is on the table and someone's angry and per se. And now that's where it starts to become, I don't, for better lack of words, like the evil part, you know? So, I mean, I don't think that's wrong to want to walk, to want to leave if it got to that with which you came in with. Yeah. But things get tricky when let's say, for example, y'all buy property together and businesses together, you know, those are all different scenarios that would have to be discussed but just initial what i'm walking in with what you're walking in with i think that's fair yeah that that's so interesting you said that because i don't really um i've never heard that said before like you better you better make these decisions while y'all like each other Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i'm saying because there might be a time when you don't like each other and then you're really forced to make these decisions and um that's that's so interesting lady J. How do you feel about it from a, from a woman's perspective? How do you feel about uh, post numps? And if someone you were with asked you to sign a post nump or vice versa, how would you feel? I, I'm 100% for it. And honestly, I agree with Deja. It's so much easy to discuss very important relationship issues when you guys are on the same when, when folks are on the same page, I should say, because once you're not together and once you break up and a lot of bad blood has happened, it's kind of like you're at odds. So if someone asks me to sign a post-nup, um, it's all a discussion. Let's sit down and think about it. But honestly, I've always planned to have a prenup <laughs> in place. And I watch a lot of um, Housewives of Atlanta and I see the trials and tribulations that a lot of the housewives go through. I mean, it's reality TV. So, you know, everything isn't everything always. But even looking at like um, Kenya and Mark Daly, um, Cynthia and Mike and even um, Candy and Todd, um, how all their relationship played out differently. Um, Kenya never signed a prenup with Mark Daly. Then boom, after they're no longer together, um, he wants half of her money and spousal support. (laughs) Um, Candy and Todd on recent seasons, they're right now going through um, estate planning and what this looks like for her oldest daughter, Riley, and now their joint kids, Blaze and I want to say Ace, and even Todd's first daughter, Kayla. So how does this look? So I'm all for figuring out now because the last thing I want, God forbid, I am not here on this earth with my daughter, whomever. I do not want somebody who I would have never appointed to be the person to handle my finances when I was walking this earth to be in full control of that after. So post-nups are very important, especially when it comes to marriages, especially if for me, especially um, when I get married, it my husband pro- will not be my, fir- my first daughter's father. So... I would need to make sure she's taken care of too and things like that. So I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah, this is, this is such a tricky subject because watching, um, watching Todd and Candy go through planning their trust. It was, it, it was, it was, I don't know the word to describe it. It was business. 
right? It was so business. It was. Mm-hmm. But it's also something where there are two sides to marriage sometimes. There's the business part of it. And then there's what some would consider the spiritual part of it, where you're standing before God and you're taking these oaths and all these other things. But none of that really matters when you're planning a trust. So then it goes back into things. And I know um, ladies uh, disregard or or hate his guts to some degree. We go back to what Kevin Samuels was saying back in the day. The way I watch Candy's mom um, consult or, you know, instruct or suggest, you know, that, hey, (laughs) most of that stuff should go to Riley. Never mind your husband. He ain't help you build him. He wasn't, he ain't write them so he ain't, you know what I'm saying? Like Kobe, he wasn't with you shooting in the gym. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, watching her, like, not necessarily with regard, Todd, but it was more so of a, uh, he doesn't deserve the things that you work for. The things that you work for, work for together, something different. But um, the things that you work for, mm-mm. so just watching that was real super. And then it goes back to, like, so now when you're planning, is it, and if you have children outside of the marriage, um, is it still both of y'all children at this point in mentality? So- or in, uh-huh. Okay, I want to interject just a little bit here. Then, Please. you know, everyone else could weigh in. Now, yeah. I usually don't agree with Candy Mama. There's been a lot of uh, questionable episodes and things that have gone on on Housewives as it relates to Candy's mom and Todd and the bickering and, you know, her feeling Todd was never good enough from the jump and things like that. But I want to say the one thing I do agree with Candy's mom, what she said is the reason why she believes that all of Candy's assets that were obtained prior to Todd should go directly to Riley is because at the end of the day, even though that's your spouse and your children or his children, his children or her children, whatever it is, she's saying that Riley may never feel comfortable enough enough to fall back on Todd like Ace and Blaze will because that is or Kayla because that is their biological father she will not she may never feel that comfortable because remember when Todd came into Candy's life it wasn't like Riley was two years old so she grew with him Riley was almost was I want to say middle high school ish so it's different once when you come into a child's life at 12 and 13 versus age four months or two years old so she really came but from then that- I have a question for you, though. That begs the question, why would you marry somebody that you don't feel like would have the best interest of your child at heart? Well, if I can't trust you to leave my child with you and my finances with you, if God forbid I get ran over by a car today, why would I choose to then procreate with you if I can't trust you with the child I already have? <laughs> well, a lot well, of people have like a- that <laughs> we can't trust at the end of the day. So, <laughs> but. Yeah. But, but I would say this, but no, she's not saying it from a, she can't trust him. It's just the things that her, her and Riley's relationship dynamic is very different from Riley and Todd's. Not that he would withhold anything from Riley, but she said it, Riley said on the show, Candy allows Riley a lot of decision-making power when it comes to her finances, joint finances, shared finances, and how Riley lives her life. She's at NYU living in a skyscraper apartment. Todd said it, he would never allow that. So I think it's just the continuation of the lifestyle that Riley's used to. I see why different assets should be put put aside to her. And even things like when Todd said he had a Jersey crib, like he had like a, a condo that he had in Jersey prior to when he met Candy. And he automatically said, I think that should go to Kayla because I had that prior. So I'm like, if Todd could say that, why can't Candy say a lot of her assets that she had prior is 
could go directly to Riley. And again, I don't agree with Mama Joyce 90% of the time, but I agree with Mama Joyce in the sense that it's not saying that Riley can't trust Todd. Todd wouldn't take care of Riley. It's like she doesn't have that father to always fall back on, even though it's her stepdad. Don't get me wrong. It's her stepdad. But you have to see how Ace and Blaze have a different advantage than Riley does in some aspects. Even Kayla, to a point, look how he treats Kayla. For example, Kayla's his blood, his firstborn daughter. And Kayla works nine to five in New York to live with roommates. Riley's yeah. the skyscraper. So Todd's view on money and finances, just in this sense, and he said it, Todd, Todd is a man that had to work all his life, just like Candy had to, but his work ethic is different. So he feels like people should get it from the mud. Candy feels like I already got it from the mud, just hand it to the kids. So I see why, if, God forbid, a situation like that would occur and Candy would pass away, it would be a shocker for Riley in the way her lifestyle would change. So I agree with Mama Joyce that a lot of the things that Candy was able to obtain prior to Todd, why not go to Riley when essentially Riley was her day one? She had Riley when she was younger. She was there through it all. I also feel like, one, their tax bracket is way over, you know, like our average oh, absolutely, $200,000 life insurance policy that'll pay out to like the next of kin, you know? So they have to be very strategic on how they're breaking this up, even in the sense of like, they still are building wealth, like Ace and Blaze, I don't even think are touching five, you know? Sure. So stuff that they have are still overly accumulating, but I agree with Jahan saying like, Riley is hers so what came prior to their union you know should probably just go to her out of simplicity but then that's also kind of like eh, because they built so much together as a unit and they do have the two kids together and you know he can give what he wants to his prior daughter you know his daughter before the marriage as well but then it's like okay what if what happens if uh no scrub stops playing you get what I'm saying or that money dwindles per se but that's all riley's but the blaze old lady gang all that's still going for the other two kids i think essentially at the end of all of it i think some child might always feel slighted like i even feel like kayla feels slighted now in the sense of like how her dad is making her work so hard for her to maintain her own, like, you know, to live a normal life just with money in your bank while Riley, like you said, is on the 24th floor skyscraper glass window house, not lifting a finger. So yeah, I mean, and it's like not about trusting, but just things get funny with money. Like Exactly. And to put it into more perspective, Kayla worked that old lady gang. Todd made t- Kayla, Kayla work at the restaurant to yeah. earn her keys. Candy wasn't going to do that to Riley. And I think it's just the way that you look at things. I, I think as a mother, I'm more of a candy than a Todd when it comes to things. I don't think your kid should ever have to get it from the mother at have a nine to five if they don't want one, especially if you're at the stature that Candy is. She's mm-hmm. been working since she was a teenager till now. She's still yeah. working. So it's not it's not not teaching your kids hard work like Todd, like Todd is saying. It's I think it's just like, they should be, if you work this hard and you've been working your entire life, you should be able to afford yourself, your children, certain luxuries that they shouldn't have to get it from the mud. Like kids yeah. working at old lady gang full time, that should be an option. But 
like I said, I'm only saying what we see on the show. Who knows what actually goes on? The show's only like, what, 53 minutes each episode is 24 hours in a day. We don't see all aspects, but how it's portrayed and how they talk about him on the show, his own daughters, Kayla and Riley, it's like he wants them to get it from the mud. And even on the episode, she said it herself. She was just like, I don't believe if God forbid she wasn't supposed to be here, they would raise those kids the same way. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think post-nups, all that type of stuff, it needs to be clear cut in writing. And then, like I said, even if someone could get married today, have a child with them today, 10 years down the line, y'all might not be together. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's a, you, I wouldn't procreate with someone who I don't trust to raise my kid because look at the world we're in. There's a lots of single, single mothers, a lots of single fathers too. A lot of people who are no longer with their partners who they may have procreated with. And a lot of those people at one point, they might've been like, this is my forever. So what do you do while you're trying to build your legacy? Continue that, but your forever is not forever anymore. This, this, this conversation brings up several questions because y'all made a lot of valid points. My issue is, do you take advice from someone who has far less than you? That being Candy's mom. Does Thank Candy's you. Mom, does Candy's mom have the same net worth Candy does? Does Candy's mom have the same net worth Todd does? If not, how does she qualify to tell you how to allocate your resources? First question. Well, first question. Hold on. Let me get the second. Let me get the second one out. I want you to both to brew. I want them both to brew in your First mind. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Before you go. Before you go. That's the first one. The second one, uh, Deja Days, you said something key. You said if, if those songs don't get the spins they did at one point and that money starts to dwindle on Riley's side, can she now come back? Who does she have to turn to? Not daddy over there. And if mommy's gone, where does she go? Mm-hmm. Right? Does she come back to Todd? What do you think I'm going to say if I'm Todd? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. You're your mother's daughter. Yeah. That's yeah. why you guys made the decisions you made. Mm-hmm. I was not involved in that process as far as you didn't want me to have any say so. Now that you ran through the money or the money slowed up mm-hmm. or you can't afford the skyscraper no more. You can only afford the studio. You know what I'm saying? In Southside Jamaica, Queens. Don't come back to me now because I have my own daughters to take care. Of. Where does that leave you? And the mom said she wanted to um to allocate the resources for her too. She wanted to be the executor of the, of the will or whatever. You got to be kidding me. Lady, okay. what was you going to Please tell me, what you going to say? All right. So Uh like I said, I usually don't agree with Mama Joy. She says some wild things. But but one thing I will say, Mama Joyce truly loves Riley. That's one thing we could agree on. From what we've seen, Mama Joyce loves Riley. So I want to say, I don't think she's just telling Candy how to allocate her money necessarily. I think she's advising her on what she thinks when it comes to Riley. Advising? That's the problem. We're talking about love. We, so here wait, we're wait, wait. So if our parent, if, if you have a parent that doesn't make more money than you, they can't over on statement. your money? This goes back to the original statement. We have two sides, but we have the love and the before God and we have the business. Mama loves Riley. Does that give her the right to advise you on business? Absolutely. I'm like, it's her, it's her, it's her mother. So it's not like her mother signing documents and stuff. And even the money that Candy would leave for her mother, let's be, let's be clear. Her mama ain't working how many years? You don't think she's been breaking off money for her all this time for her to live in that big old mansion? Who do you think bought that at the end of the day? So I don't, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a parent, a mother or father 
giving you input on how they may feel about a situation because that that's that goes across the board like a lot of people parents have never been married but their parents help them with relationship advice on how they see it from their perspective your parents may not make more money than you but doesn't mean they can't give you insight so just because mama joyce may not have as much money as candy and todd it doesn't mean that she can't voice her opinion on something right her opinion is bias. her opinion is biased her opinion, her opinion is biased to Riley, like you said, she loves Riley. That doesn't give me that doesn't give me a full um, scope of everything I need to see, right? I'm asking you about all these things because I'm making tough decisions about my life, and because you love the one person out this equation, you all your decisions are pointing towards that. I'm not saying well, that's a okay. Bad. She never said biased business. She never said give all the money to Riley. She just said there should be a certain amount allocated to her that she that she made before she had blaze and ace and got married to todd but i'm saying That's todd the said the same thing when it came to kayla in the condo in jersey he said the same exact thing like he off bat before anybody said anything that episode todd was like yeah i'm gonna give the condo in jersey to kayla how do you feel about that and riley and kayla and todd both agreed that is fair because that's something he had before he was married to candy if he could say Ooh. that why we'll can't agree we'll agree everyone in the room agreed Todd My point is this, Todd and Candy made a decision, or Todd made a decision that he told Candy. Candy's not making this decision. Her decision is being influenced by someone else. It's now, if you choose to take that. Everybody that gives you their, your, everyone that gives, every family member that gives you their opinion, it doesn't mean they're influencing you. They could really just be advising and suggesting, but the final decision is up to the individual. That's part influence, though. <laughs> doesn't mean, okay, but that doesn't mean it's a deciding factor my, yeah, but it's influence that's my the, parents that whole point advise and suggest all the time but doesn't mean i don't make my final decision on things you get advice and suggestions from from people around you i'm sure on various topics not necessarily no, not really. money I'm but you go to church you be listening to the pastor what you think he doing actually actually <laughs> that's a different that's a different conversation so but, so when people when when the pastor be preaching I'll be, be reading I'll be reading the scripture to make sure that they that they say the correct things. Well, that's a whole different story because exactly. First of all, it really just depends on what part of the Bible you're reading, but I digress. I'm listening. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I just feel like just because he's giving her input doesn't mean that's the nail in the coffin. And just because I think it's because her input is biased, though, John. Exactly. And that's what I think <laughs> coach is trying to get across. If this was an estate attorney. They could give unbiased opinion because they don't have a dog in the fight. But Mama Joyce has been against Candy really being with yep. any man at all. All she really wants Candy is to have a significant other that has more money so she can not only profit off of Candy, but profit off of Candy's significant other. There will never be a situation where Todd is involved in that Mama Joyce will show fa fairness or equality to Todd. So in theory, it's like, okay, yeah, you can seek advice or counsel from your parents, but understanding their position, would you really, should you really take that counsel from that person when you know it in every possible turn or point, they will be against or not in favor of your significant other. I don't even know why she's having a conversation with her mother. You know you don't like time. I know what type of time you want. I don't know what type of energy you bring to the table. There should never be a discussion with Mama Joyce about finances concerning Candy's family, period, because she will never be fair. I just looked at that conversation like Candy, Candy's mom was really just coming from 
uh, a standpoint to protect Riley. Not only, just ju- not only because that's only Candy's daughter. I just understand where she's coming from. At the end of the day, I think it's you gotta, but you gotta look at it more from just like, oh, mother daughter type relationship. And maybe I've been watching too many Game of Thrones slash House of Dragons. But if somebody is giving you their opinion and it's always leaning to one side or one favor, it doesn't matter whether it's directly connected to to them or not. There's an end game to the situation. Okay, yeah, Candy has uh, had Riley a decade plus before she met Todd. But guess who else had Riley a decade plus before they had Todd? Mama Joyce. Riley is always going to be more connected to Mama Joyce than Ace Ace and Blaze. Why? Because Riley has had so many years by herself with her grandmother. If her grandmother were to ask, it would be no hesitancy for her to give it to him. As opposed to Blaze and Ace, who've had their father in their life their entire time, it would probably be way more hesitant. So, of course, she benefits with Riley getting everything or Riley getting all of the no scrubs, TLC, escape money and A's and Blake's only getting a small percentage of it because she has had more time invested with just Riley on her own. I mean, I feel like how how you're trying to paint it if we're talking about Game of Thrones, you're trying to treat. Todd like he's Jon Snow and Mama Joyce like she's Cersei Lannister (laughs) like she might be sour most times but I just feel like okay I just really felt what she said when she was like her reasoning behind it is yeah she might have selfish selfish motives somewhere in there but I really just I guess I just connected the point that she said Ace and Blaze will all if you're gone and it's only Todd Ace and Blaze Will always have their father here and that is their biological father riley may not feel riley may feel, start feeling like she has nobody because she's she never grew up with her biological father so i feel like there's a deficit there and i feel like that gap being there though that's her husband though that's her stepdad everything like that i feel like that does need to be addressed it's it's a it's a big difference so is that so is that only addressed on her way out is that not addressed now like when Todd goes out and he takes care of the kids, you know what I mean? Or he buys all the kids' food, does he? How we know Todd buying everybody McDonald's? How no, we but I, that's the point. That's the point. The point is when he's gone, when or when when Candy's gone, let's treat Todd, let's treat Todd this way and Riley this way. Or Todd, or we want to keep a, a separation between them. But when I'm when I'm here on earth, let's keep everybody together. That's not how it works. You know what I mean? Let's look at Ralph. You look at Ralph and um and Drew. She wants Ralph to adopt his <laughs> her son. You know what I mean? She wants the son to feel apart. All this uh, all this extraness, and he lives with Ralph. Ralph takes care of him. Lives in the house. All this other stuff. But I still want him to feel like he's a part of the family. Yeah. But hey, if Drew goes, she just leaves certain portions um to her son that she's not leaving to the other children. I mean, at what point is it? Are we together or are we not together? Because it's, it sounds like from the way, and then Mama Joyce, she was like, she wants to run and she wants to be the person that, um, uh, one of the people that um, execute, I forgot what they call it, but uh, um, the executor of the of the trust or whatever the case may be. Oh, no, that's a wild. Selfish moment. She that's said that. She said that at that moment. She did say point. that. I did not agree with that. And even Candy said it. Candy was like, you really think I'm going to leave you and Todd to make the money decisions together? We all know that would never work. But, you know, even with the Drew and Ralph, <laughs> I can't, I think that is so messy. That deserves an episode by itself. How he's writing a book on how to be a step parent, but (laughs) 
that that I think that's like a whole nother thing. I mean, I get why Drew would want Ralph to adopt her son. I mean, I get it. But I, I think there's something else behind that, why he doesn't want to do it. I don't think it's just, oh, I don't want to offend his dad who's never done anything for, for him and only sees him once every three years. Me adopting him is going to be so bad for the dad. I don't think, <laughs> I don't, I really don't think that's really, I think the adoption is a big deal, essentially, because legally speaking, if Ralph was to adopt Drew's older son, he now becomes fully financially involved and invested in the child. If Drew and Ralph, which they probably are on the rocks by now, break up, he's only responsible for two kids. Now, if he was to adopt the older one, it may, now he's financially everything involved with the third. So I feel like there's just more things around that, but I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that probably deserves its own episode. But it just goes it really to the does. point of, of it, it straddles the fence on a lot of areas, these these conversations. And, you know, there's never a clean, you should do it this way, you should do it that way. So it just presents a question, Jelly and Shay. I, I want to come to y'all and ask y'all this. You have two sides to it. You have the side, like we said earlier, where you're standing in front of everybody in holy matrimony under God's eyes. And in the belief system that you have, to a degree, a divorce is not a conversation. So how do you begin to plan for a possible divorce when divorce isn't really the conversation you should be having spiritually, but naturally it can be an option. So Shay, I want to come to ask you, how do you uh, go about that? For me personally, I don't necessarily want a prenup or postnup. Like that's not really in my head, but I understand why folks would decide to do that and make that decision, especially if they have children. I feel like realistically, you know, just, you know, statistically speaking, marriages end, you know, 50% of the time. So you kind of have to just put your feelings aside in terms of, you know, feeling like you love this person and that you're going to be with them forever. And just think realistically, like there is a chance that something could happen. So we just have to, you know, have things in writing so that things are settled. Um, and you just have to be the bigger person and just sitting down and hashing that out with you and your spouse, you and your children, your family, whoever else you want to have involved in that. It's not an easy conversation at all by no, no means. Um, but it's, it's sometimes necessary, especially, um, again, when it comes to children and finances, you want to make sure that everybody's secure, um, and that they're set up. And a lot of folks, especially in the black community, we don't, we don't think past the moment sometimes and we don't have the proper paperwork set up, you know, our will set up or have insurance and all this stuff. Um, so it's important that we start thinking about these things because we all have an expiration date. At some point, we, we're not going to be here. So it's important that we think about that and have make sure that our family's secure and that everything's settled so that there's no issues when that time comes. How do you how do you have that conversation like but for, for someone who has a, a decent net worth, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Someone who has a vast net worth, it's a little different. You know what I mean? Someone who has no net worth, it is what it is. Um, but <laughs> how do you even approach that type of conversation with your spouse or with your potential spouse? Is that a, it, like, without them, without them thinking or you thinking, you know what I mean? Hey, we're planning for a possible failure. Do you plan mm-hmm. for a failure um, in these situations or do you go in with faith 
hoping that everything works out. That's this is it's really, really up to the person and how they feel. For me, um, I'm I'm kind of torn between that because like I was saying, like I'm more of the terms of I like I want to have faith in our relationship. Like I I feel like the person that I'm marrying, that's that's it. Death do us part. That's that's what it's gonna be. Um, but in some instances, that's not the case for everybody. So I think you just need to sit down and have a conversation with your spouse and not necessarily think of it as a negative think of it as a positive it's like okay we're thinking about making sure that everything is set in case of not you know thinking that we are going to have a demise but just uh just in case an insurance like you just want to make sure that things are set up so that in the future there's no hiccups when the time if if that ever happens you just want to be prepared again it's not an easy conversation you just got to really just be transparent with your spouse and just have that difficult conversation the approach may be different based on like the person you're with not everybody's going to use the same approach um so i would just say first just you know slowly you know get into the conversation as easily you can and you know see how that you know how that conversation starts but you have to start the conversation at some point it's not something that should just be you know dismissed like the conversation needs to be had got you jelly jelly i gotta ask you would you approach your spouse or your soon to be spouse with that conversation? Or is that something that they would have to approach you with? Um, I definitely think it's something that should be on the table. You know, like once you go through couples counseling and all the other stuff. And I definitely think it's a different uh, conversation to have depending on your net worth. So, you know, for people that are not worth seven figures at this point, it's probably an e- easier conversation to have. Like, you know, if this happens, you know, that happens, then we have a plan set in place, like Shay said, but I also feel like it should be something that is done together. So it should never be a person, one person approaching another person, like, hey, I need you to sign this prenup. Like, that should never be, in my opinion, um, an instance that should happen with a couple that is, you know, trying to make a lifelong commitment, because if we're walking through this journey together, we should be walking through it together. So meeting with an attorney together, stating out our stipulations together, it should never be one-sided in terms of, oh, well, I have all the money and if you divorce me, then you don't get none of it. Okay, no, that definitely not should happen. There should be a stipulation. If there's any infidelity, I get this much. Or if we have children, then the, the contract needs to be redesigned after the child turns one year of age like there there definitely needs to be something put in place so that both parties feel as though it's fair it should never be something that protects one person and not the other and to be honest i know post-nups exist but i don't really even believe in that if we not having this conversation before we get married there's no reason to have it afterwards because i don't to me it comes across as though there's a level of mistrust or there's something that you feel like you didn't think about before we got married. And now all of a sudden your perception has changed. So if we're not having this conversation before we say I do, I don't know if I would even entertain the thought of having a conversation after we say I do. So I, I that part, I agree with Joey. I, I do think it's a conversation that should be had before, but a lot of people have it after. So I have a question. If Legacy and estate planning, it's such a hot topic. What about 
people who would would a solution for that be people who go into a marriage with kids or have kids when have additional kids that throughout the marriage they set up trust trust for these kids right and Mm -hmm. a certain amount of money whatever you know whatever they decide is deposited into these trusts throughout the entire marriage and a certain amount of money is allocated so now does that sound better i guess so now it's not riley gets this hypothetically speaking ace gets this blaze gets this riley gets 50 percent of no scrubs ace gets two percent of um insert song so do you think saying setting up trust kind of lessens the blow with that and it kind of smooths it over because why i say that is like i feel like um prenup is a buzzword for a lot of people like it's very pop culture to talk about prenups and postnups now but i also think it's a buzzword and it's a it's like a triggering word for a lot of people that like as soon as some people hear prenup like how you just described a prenup like your 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 energy towards is like nah if we in this if we're in this forever why we even talk about that right and I get energy but I guess in my mind you know I'd be on TikTok listen to a lot of relationships divorce (laughs) stories all type of stuff and a lot of the people did start off like you and it's and I'm coming from and I guess I'm I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate here because again I've said it time after time, my parents have been married for almost 40 years. So I come from an environment of a married couple. That's what I know, mm-hmm. right? So yep. it's not like I come from, for lack of a better word, broken a broken home, right? I come from an environment of a married couple and that's what I know, that's what I see. So mm-hmm. and my parents I, my parents are getting no cleaned up. Back in the day, 40 years ago, they, they didn't do all that. And here they are almost 40 years later. So- mm-hmm. I feel like the reason why this may be a thing now is it's not really about wealth. I think it's like times have changed so much. And I think it's like, for me, when I think about prenup, I don't get offended because I just feel like change is inevitable. Change is the only consistent thing in every single one of our lives. That is the only thing that's ever been. You you too? Okay, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> agree yeah, no, I, I definitely I agree with what you're saying Jahan I do feel like it's more pop pop culture now because we have a, a quote-unquote look into more of the celebrity lifestyle so it's more so like oh okay well yeah prenup 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 I definitely agree that there should be something established around children because to Fern's point okay you say oh this should go to Riley and then if things don't pan out who does Riley go to? She can't go to Mama Joyce. Like, but you've already created that separation in between the relationship of her and Todd to where it almost feels like, okay, she's not allowed to, or Todd should be offended if Riley were to come to him, come to him later and say, hey, can you help me out? Because oh no, nah, everything is separate. Whereas if you set it up in terms of, hey, all of the children need to have at least this in a trust. There, that way there's no confusion. Like the whole, oh, well, you built this before Todd came. Yeah, and I built all of this after Todd came. It should never be a, a situation in terms of I'm keeping a tally mark of all the accomplishments I made so I can one day make sure that you don't get to have it later on. Like, again, I don't, I don't understand the, really, there's a lot of potential consequences for you to get married and get divorced. You, you could be common law husband and wife. You could be dating and living together. Y'all could buy two houses across the street like Kim and Kanye. 
for all that. You know, you don't have to intertwine yourselves legally. But if I'm going to bind myself to this person, not only spiritually, but in the eyes of the law, I just feel like there we need to be on the same page about how we want to raise our children, how we want to live our lifestyles, and how we want to set up our children for success in the future. The fact that there's so much dissension between Todd and Candy on how they raise their children is, is honestly like baffling to me because I don't expect for them to be the same person, but there's it seems like they're so on such far opposite sides of the spectrum Amen. that I could see it causing a lot of tension and division even within their household. You know, what? because do you pay for Riley's bills out of your money or are you paying for Riley's bills out of our money? Are yep. you paying for Riley's bills out of the money that off the, the plays that we produce together? Or are you paying Riley's money off of no scrubs? Whoa. You know, like how, how do you even, you know what? How do you run a household that way? How, how it's said on the show, it, it would seem like Riley's Fendi and all this other stuff comes from the no scrubs money because I could see Todd like, eh. Hold on. That's the fifth Fendi bag this week. Hold on. Just based on Kayla's working at the restaurant. <laughs> so I don't think he cashed out money for Riley to get a Fendi bag every week if Kayla's working at the restaurant. Um, but I, I guess I get I guess I get that. But I don't know. I think it's just like I think it's very hard. I think for me, as someone who's not married, not in a relationship, not engaged or anything, yeah. when I think about marriage and finances, especially, I think at this point, I might look at it more of a, a business, right? Versus how you may look at it, Jelly, or even you coach, how y'all may look at it, that there's so much yeah. other aspects, right? I think on the outside looking into me, I look at it like a business, but maybe if I met someone who I'm like, I really think this is my forever ABC, that that view may change. But I think a good point that you hit on is how night and day Cat, Candy and Todd are when it comes to raising the children is completely different, which honestly, that should be a discussion that y'all have before y'all get married and have children, how you plan to raise the children, right? Because that's a good question. That's a, that's, that is, is something that I was thinking about, right? Because our vows in front of God don't match our vows on paper. Mm -hmm. so do we need to alter our vows, right? When we're standing in front of everybody and everybody's happy and everybody's crying because of the long flowy wedding dress and because he has a beautiful tuxedo, do those vows need to change? Because in front of God, technically, quote unquote, in front of all those people, you're saying, I'm going to love you forever and could be nobody else but you to death do us part. The paper that you signed a couple of days ago, Said, if you do this, then I'm out. So it's two different mind frames. And I think that go, that is what goes is what happens with the confusion of people sometimes. We go in saying one thing in marital counseling. We say a different thing on paper. And if that is the case, if I understand the whole protecting your assets and all that stuff, but like Jelly said, and I was alluding to earlier, how do you balance a household with these different mindsets? How, am I paying with my money? Uh, yeah, it's our daughter now, but in your mind, it's really your daughter, but because we're together, it's our daughter. Is it really a one thing? Can I really, are you really giving me the permission to manage your children? Is, are you giving me, like, if I correct them, will you come back at me and say, don't touch my daughter? Like, there's a lot of little small things. Same thing with Ralph, and that's another topic for another conversation. But when you don't like what I say to them, or you don't like the decisions that I'm making for them, it goes from our to my. 
And that's where it gets super tricky. So how do we manage that, Lady J or Jelly or Shay? Somebody tell me from a, from a woman's perspective. Listen, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And I don't, uh, I will let Shay answer this, but I, I just wanted, because this, this thought popped up into my mind. It is more than just spiritual when people say you need to be equally yoked to be together. Yep. <laughs> way more than just spiritual. Because yeah. the way that... I don't necessarily see an issue with the way that Todd is raising Kayla. Just because I have it to give to you does not mean that I am supposed to give it to you. Like, how do I teach you to value the money that I have so that when I leave this earth, you don't squander it? Like when we think about generational wealth in the uh, minority community, especially the African-American community, they say that it takes two and a half generations in order to start the cycle of generational wealth. Because I can make millions today, but my children can squander it tomorrow. And then where's my generational wealth? I have to be the, the starting point, the impetus, and teach my children how to manage that wealth and create wealth on top of that, a compounding effect, and pass it on to their children in order for that cycle to be started. So it can't just be one person. So I understand the 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 spirit that Todd has with, hey, I'm not going to pay for this apartment. If you want to go get it, go get it. Because if Kayla ever falls on hard times with the money that she's invested, that she got from Todd, she's not going to be sitting around wondering, okay, well, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? She's going to know how to hustle and get that money back. Whereas somebody else that's been given everything may not understand how to bounce back from a loss because they've been handed everything. But just thinking about that, the difference is night and day is like, they're not equally yoked in how they want to raise their children. And honestly, it's going to continue to be an issue as Ace and Blaze get older because now their assets are intertwined with children that are intertwined with them. And they're not on the same page at all. Sorry for that tangent. No, it's a good tangent. It's a good tangent. And you, you, you're 100% right. I, sometimes I don't know if you know you guys are equally yoked until... Because of Riley, like if they're not in the picture enough to make those decisions, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing wrong with nice things. Yeah. But when you start seeing a lot of nice things come through, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because truth be told, Todd got money. Uh, Candy got money. Uh, Riley don't got no money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, then, and that's, and that, I'm not saying that as she's broke. I'm saying that from a standpoint of the money is with the parents. And if they decide to give their children something that's beautiful, but Truth be told, Riley should have the ability to create her own wealth. You don't just depend on the wealth that was before you. Now, I mean, if it's substantial wealth, like, you know, Walmart and stuff like that, then, hey, I get it. But for the most part, you have to manage those things, you know, or you're going to be the prodigal son where you ask for your inheritance too early and you go out and you squander it and then you come back. And, um, you know, dad is standing there with open arms, but that might not happen to everybody. <laughs> this part of the story might be like, oh, you squandered yours. That's that's on you. So, right. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it, buddy. You know what I'm saying? It was you. you your portion was given to you. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? So, everything not going to end like the Bible did where he said, come on, come get some food and come back in the house. It's like, bro, you you left. That's it. The way I know my the black families I know, you go ahead and leave. You can't come back in the house. Mommy doesn't turn that room into something different. You know what I'm saying? So. Shay, tell me what you feel. Well, I don't keep up with the show, but like based off of what you're saying, it seems like there needs to be a sit down where they have to compromise. I feel like they can both do both, like teach your family the lesson of earning the money, but then also set aside some money so that they have something in the future as well. Like 
Lady J was saying with the trust, you can have both. Like you can be able to, you know, teach and instill those financial lessons in your kids. And it's something that no matter, you know, what uh, bracket you're in, everybody needs to learn the, the best practices of what to do with their money and how to make it, you know, stretch and last and build that generational wealth. If they come to a compromise and sit down and talk and say, you know, and, and come to one accord and say, you know, we married each other. We took these vows. We're going to do things. We're going to sit down and compromise and do things in the best interest of all our kids. There, we're Both of us are claiming everyone because we, we married each other and we're in a union. And regardless of anything, if something were to happen to me, I still want you to be like, you're still family. Like we made a, an agreement, like this still stands. So we need to sit down and make sure that all the kids are set fairly and that if we're we're still here and we want to, you know, give them an allowance or whatever the case is and do that, then we'll decide to do that. But like one person thinking one thing and then the other doing another, that's not that's not um, helpful to the household. You're just building more confusion and chaos. And instead of you should be building unity and making sure that everything's on one accord. percent. These are these are super um, difficult conversations that I have at times, but. Uh, they're even more difficult to have when you're not here, you know. So um, these are things that that need to be spoken about. So, so Lady J, how do we, how do we, how do we get to the point where we're comfortable, or how do we approach these conversations with our people so that we don't have to have uh, fish fries and car washes, you know what I mean? And also, what are some of those things that you want to leave to your daughter um, or any children that you might have in the future? I think how you approach those conversations, especially if you are. I think, okay, so there's two spectrums. If you are a married woman or man, I think you approach that directly with your partner before you get married and you work out those details. Again, we've said time and time again in this episode that it's very hard to communicate with someone or decision make with someone when you are not, you're, you're at odds, right? So I think like Jelly said, those are things that you need to, um, discussed before, but we all know what a honeymoon stage is, a cupcake stage, whatever you want to call it, that a lot of those things can be easily overlooked when you're in love and when you're thinking, oh, this is my forever. And then forever comes to an end, like a Tyler Perry movie. And then it's like, dang, he just kicked you out the, the house for this light skin girl in the office with the sun. Now you got to come back and take, like, it's <laughs> literally your, your relationship ends like a Tyler Perry movie. Then it's like, what do you do next? Yeah. But then I think on the other end of the spectrum, you approach it the same way if you're unmarried, because if you are now unmarried and something happens, you have to have those people in your corner, so your mother, your father, your brother, whoever it is, that then end up making those decisions for you. So I think, especially for me, with my daughter, I think differently about legacy building and things like that. I have life insurance. I won't say how much because ain't nobody going to try to off me on my way to Trader Joe's. That's it. But <laughs> <laughs> <Bye -bye>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nope, <laughs> not, not it. <laughs> but um, I think it's making those key steps to securing your personal and financial future, especially if you're a single woman like I am and have a child. The first step is make sure you got some life insurance. First of all, make sure you got health insurance. Then make sure you got life insurance because both are equally as important. <laughs> make sure you have life insurance and make sure you have a policy that may, that if you know you have a child that's very young, 
have a policy that um, assigns someone to oversee it, right? If you have a young child and make sure that whoever that person is, you know that that person knows you through and through and will always keep you and your child's best interests at heart. Sometimes that may not be the child's father, child's mother, just depends on your situation. Make sure that's the person that always has your best interest. And then I think the next step to the life insurance, make sure as you are making money, as you are generating wealth, you're not just thinking about the wealth for today because today is very fleeting. Today ends in 24 hours. Every day is only 24 hours. So you really, for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a planner. I'm an overthinker. I'm all that. So I'm always thinking about what's happening tomorrow. How is this going to look five years from now? So I feel like you really have to, especially when you have children, that's when a life plan comes into play. It's cool when you don't have children, like, oh, I don't know about five years from now. It's whatever. But I think when you have children, the life plan comes into play, especially because now you're not only life planning for you, you're life planning for yourself. I actually have a sorority sister that, um, Unfortunately, her aunt passed away a couple years ago. And when her aunt passed away, her cousin, um, male cousin, he was like 13, 14 years old. Auntie didn't have life insurance. He didn't, nothing set up, nothing to leave for the child. So, you know, they used to move around a lot or whatever. And the aunt lived, the, the aunt and the son lived in an apartment, right? So when the aunt died, the aunt wasn't sick. It wasn't, she wasn't sick. So, you know. Like Shay said, everybody got their day, hour. My daddy always says, the man that's born to drown can't be hung. And the one time that you cannot be late for is your time. So you never know. So the aunt passed away unexpectedly. And now you got this 13, 14 year old boy with nowhere to go. So it was like, kind of like a toss up with the family. Like who's gonna take him in? Like nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows anything about her finances, what he has, what he doesn't have, right? And Looking at that scenario that one of my sorority sisters, actually my soror bestie, I should say, shout out to Toshi, that she told me about actually put a lot of perspective in my life because those are things, again, as a single woman, you have to think about. I mean, I have my family, I have my brothers, but think of that type of scenario and where it leaves your child. And I feel like when I had a child, those are things that automatically I started thinking about. Like, I'm like, okay, I have a business, but am I building business credit? okay, let's get on that if I wasn't doing it. I have a bit, you have a business, but do you have an LLC or S-Corp? You might want to think about doing that because you could be self-employed, all this jazz, all this nice stuff as a sole proprietor without LLCs. But I'm like, if you have a child, what are you really leaving to your child if you don't have an LLC, you don't have S-Corp, you don't have business credit, you don't have a business bank account? You're not leaving anything. You're not legacy building. You're building for yourself, but you're not building for your future. So I feel like it's really knowing what you want to do and going from there. But it starts with life insurance. I feel like life insurance should be the first step for most people. And it's always shocking to me when I talk to people, I'm like, do you have life insurance? And they say, yeah, I have it through my job. And I'm like, jobs are fleeting. They're fickle. You should always have life insurance outside of your job as well. Because if the pandemic didn't teach us nothing, these jobs we'll fire you. Then what do you do? Right? What do you do next? And I'm going on a tangent, but I feel like it's just proper planning, proper, and not just planning for yourself. It's, I mean, I'm not a mind reader. I'm not psychic, but you really have to look at your life 10 years from now. Even, I think even when it comes to relationships, I, you got to look at that stuff 10 years from now. What is this person doing now? I'm not saying he may not be a millionaire, you have to you have to ask those questions 
what's going to happen in the future because any day that unfortunately somebody's day not my day because i'm covered by the blood of jesus but um any day could be somebody's day and then what happens especially if you have kids and what my biggest fear would be for my daughter would be not to properly plan and leave her out here to fend for herself or be raised in a way or in a manner that I would have never raised her. I would feel like I failed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. I mean, you said a lot there and there's a lot of, um, a lot of stuff that we really have to think about. Um, I felt like you just gave your final thought um, the way you were flowing. So <laughs> I don't know if I should ask for it again a little later on, but, but, but jelly, um, let me ask you, when do you, because I, I know you, you probably see marriage in the future, right? Um, <laughs> you know. Um, Jelly but, getting married tomorrow. What you mean? Uh, see, <laughs> I, I didn't want to put her business out there. Excuse funny, me. Funny, funny. <laughs> but, but, but when do you begin to have these conversations? Do you have them with your potential partner while you guys are dating? Is that when you start talking about how much money you have? Because I know we've discussed finances and stuff in the past, but as far as estate planning, do you have those conversations in the dating phase? Or even if you don't know if you want to be with this person long-term, are you having it during the um, fiance stage or do you have it after you get married? Like when do you feel is the most appropriate time to have these types of conversations? Um, well, I'll just speak for me and what I've done. So while we were dating, we definitely talked about, you know, family, what our family dynamics are, um, what kind of things we went through as children, how we wanted to raise our children, um, you know, religious preferences. We are still in the type in the conversation now of, you know, public school versus private school. Just just things of that nature, because honestly, I, <laughs> I always wonder how people get so far in relationships without having these types of conversations like. We have interactions with our family members. We have situations that happen with our friends. We watch certain things on TV. And to me, it's like, this has never generated a conversation of, hey, what would you like to do? Or, hey, I think I would like to do that. Like that just, it, it baffles me, honestly. But we've, we've already had those conversations. And I would say it was before, you know, the first year of the relationship ended. Like how many children would, do you like, would you like to have? Where would you like to live? Do you see yourself going to church? Do you see yourself being a, a participant in church or just an attending member? You know, all of those things. Like financially, what would you like to do? Would you like to be an entrepreneur or would you like to work for a corporation? Would you like to retire early and, and travel the world with your children? Like all of these things should be discussed early on because I'm not trying to be 42 when all of a sudden my husband pops up and says, you know, I've always wanted to be a freelance photographer. I think I'm going to quit my job today. No, 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 sir. Oh, man, I'm telling you. That ain't, what, that that ain't what you've always wanted to do. Because clearly we had a conversation about our dreams mm -hmm. and our desires. And that was never discussed. We can say this is what you would like to do now. Okay, well, then how do we get there financially? But if we've never had that conversation, he could have always wanted to be a freelance photographer. And now I'm over here stuck trying to think through uh well what am i gonna do no what i i believe in having so many conversations so early on that it, it leaves no opportunity for someone to say oh yeah i know i never mentioned this but 
this is really where I see my life heading. I want to feel like I'm in a partnership with my significant other, with my spouse, with my husband. We are planning our lives together. We are planning this path together. And although, you know, God may laugh at our plans, at least we've aligned on the same page together in the beginning so that when something arises, we can both be on the same page from a starting point and figure out how to be on the same page at the end. When it comes to estate planning, I feel like that should be a, another conversation that happens before you get married. We shouldn't be trying to figure out, okay, well, we who gonna take care of who mama? We've already had the conversation. Okay, well, should something occur? I feel like I will be the most responsible sibling in this situation. So this is what I would like to do for my parents. Do you think we can can sustain that now? No. Okay, what do we need to do in order to prepare for that? Because death is inevitable. I will not be here forever. My significant other will not be here forever. We need to, again, plan, and I use that word loosely because God has the ultimate plan, but we need to try and sure up what it is that we want for our future. And if that's taking care of our parents in their last years, we need to prepare ourselves for that too. I don't I don't foresee us coming into a situation where there's something in terms of how we raise our children or how we set our children up for success financially that we have not already discussed before we get married. And if you are married and have not had those conversations, I would urge you to not wait until you have children before you have those conversations. Jelly, we that with some of the stuff you talked about is a total different conversation. Like what happens when you change your mind after the paper is signed? You know what I'm saying? Like, like what do you do? And I, I that's another that's another podcast because everything you said was on point. You know what I mean? But there are people who change their minds. There are people and, who and you're who allowed to. Yeah, you that's are. the thing, coach. You're allowed to. Yeah, but when you sign a contract, you're not. See, I can sign a, I can sign a, a post, a post nup, but guess what? Once I sign that, I can't necessarily change my mind legally. You see, exactly. so you know, so I can change my mind on this side, but I can't change it. On, that's a whole different conversation. But everything you said was on point, Shay. Let me ask you: What happens when you have children and you want to leave your children the catering business or the family business or or the business you have, but they have no interest in food? Like, do you just leave it to them because you love them so much? Or is there a conversation that you have to have with yourself? Like, uh, maybe not. Yeah. So that in terms of the business part, that's a whole different conversation because for when you start a business, you need to, in the beginning stages, think of your exit plan and you have to have that written down somewhere and have that idea set in stone. It can't be a, oh, I think the kids will like, or whatever the case is you have to think about those things prior and figure out whether you're going to sell it or whatever the case is that you got to figure out that exit strategy. But in terms of these conversations and, you know, making sure that things are put down on paper and planned out, um, you need to make sure you have these conversations and don't be afraid of any possible misalignment or disagreement that comes with it. It's okay to disagree. Um, but you have to find a resolution in it. It's not okay to, to disagree and just think, you know, be just think that things will figure itself out. That's not how it works. This is real life. You have to figure out what is most important and what 
you want you how you want things to be done in certain situations and you have to have a serious conversation with whomever you're you're dating whoever you're engaged to whoever you're going to marry all of all of you have to make sure you have the conversation regardless of if you feel like oh i don't want to bring up this conversation because it's 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 you know, a negative conversation or you're scared that they're going to have a different opinion from you. And no, you have to have the conversation. It's important. It's a part of life. Um, and I agree with the ladies, like you, you should be having these conversations prior to, you know, having children prior to walking down the aisle. Um, but if, you know, you're in a predicament where you're already married and, you know, might have a child on the way, you still have time. This is not like you can't, start deciding now, um, take, you know, take this opportunity to kind of reflect on what we've all been saying and say, you know what, we need to have a sit down. And though we didn't do this prior to marriage or prior to the kids or whatever the case is, let's do it now. You still have a time. You still have the chance while you're breathing. You still have the opportunity to make sure that things are set up. So definitely just don't be scared of the conversation. Definitely take the time to sit down, plan, plot and figure out what is right for you and your family in the future generations to come. Listen, I feel like all of y'all just gave y'all final thoughts. I don't know. Is it just me? But all of y'all just come out with the wisdom swinging. I guess now it's left for me to say something that makes sense. So let me see. What can I say? You got uh, this, Coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to say the best for last. Go no, ahead, Coach. Ain't no doubt in my mind. I ain't necessarily the best, but I'm the best guy on the podcast. I, I give myself. Um, there you go. But, Listen, you got to uh, add Shay to the life insurance policy just for that sentence right there. Uh, <laughs> right. Make sure I get a piece. Make see, sure I got five more. You ain't Candy Mother. If you ain't Candy Mother, you something else. Um, for me, I would say, listen, limit your debt. You know, all this, all, all this asset building and wealth building is beautiful. But if you got a bunch of debt, it ain't going to mean but so much. Ain't nobody trying to subtract everything they got because you had a, you know, a, a spending party your whole life. It just, no, 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 no. Let's subtract the debt. Once you subtract the debt, then we start building the assets. And also find out who's the best decision maker. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, you may be making decisions with your heart that you need to be making, you know what I mean, with your mind. Uh, making with logic. Yeah, I want to leave my children and everything that I have. Uh, but at the same time, they don't have a good track record of keeping things. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to have that that um, that uh, relative that Jay-Z talked about. Yo, man, give me 4,500, man. I'll, give you, I'll bring you a million back. Nah, we're not doing none of that. So also just make good decisions as as, as you best can. And also um, don't just have these conversations. Everybody was 100% correct. Let's have these difficult conversations. But after you have the conversations, let's execute on something. Um, find the time to actually type up the forms. That's what people get caught up a lot. They have these beautiful, long conversations. And next thing you know, they never make it to the application part or filling out the life insurance or filling out the, you know, if you have assets over your life insurance, that, that's fine. Whatever, whichever way you choose to go about it. But, you know, execute on something, whether it's you putting your money into the bricks, which is a house. You know, whether you put your money into the life insurance, whether you have other assets that you have, leave them, bonds, whatever it is, just execute on it. Go to your bank and tell them you want to set up, you know, in trust for, you know what I mean? That way you can just give your money uh, to your family the way you want to without them having to go through legal channels and pay for somebody that's, for something that you're going to give them anyway. So um, it's a lot of little things we can do. And, you know, some, one day we may have a professional come up here and just talk about the different options. You know what I mean? Because everybody has a different way to go about it. But 
but do something. And when you and when you have that conversation, just make sure you execute on it, man. Look, this is a good old this is a good old session right here, man. You know, you always want to protect your your, your legacy and all that great stuff, man. I appreciate y'all for tuning in to our session, being here with us when we as transparent as we want to be, uh, and all that good stuff. So you got the beautiful one therapist once again, Lady J. You got Jelly Jazz. You got Chef Shay. Days days had to break out, but she's always here in spirit. And you got Coach Ferns. We out.